0: lot Talk radio cuz we we're the Houston Oilers, Houston hello everyone you're listening to Balrod radio My name is Matt Weston, and tonight I'm joined by the biggest, fattest, and drunkest swim of all, BFD. Hey, how's it going?
1: Hey, good. Hopefully not the snottiest. So I was really sick after the game yesterday. Hopefully um, it will not come back, because it usually hits me at night after a long day.
0: Mm, It's cool as long as you blow your nose into the tissue, and then rub your chest with it, and then take a video of it, and then post in the comments, uh, like in Billy Madison. Or
1: you mean I can't do it and blow my nose in my wife's jacket?
0: Oh, okay. That's good as well, too. It's kind of like, you know, next winter, you'll find like five bucks in your winter jacket. Hey, hey, look at that. (laughs) Uh, It's like that, but just not as nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, my snot is definitely, you know, full of value, but I don't think my wife would see it that way.
0: How many wins (laughs) above replacement is your snot? (laughs)
1: <laughs> more than Tom Savage.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the DYAR of your one shoot of snot.
1: Oh man. Wow.
0: Would right. probably, you yeah, know? You know, I would say I think Savage <laughs> had about negative, you know, 78 or something. Uh but did right. you know that the Houston Texans <laughs> are 4 and 7 and our two games out of the number 16 wild card spot?
1: Yeah, and there's a certain comfort level at this point, for just really lack of a better way to put it, that, that the Texans are just pretty much out of the playoffs. Like There's just nothing to, that's gone. It's, 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 it's behind us. It's not going to happen. No wishful thinking can make it happen. So there is a certain comfort level, I think, in that you know, we're just done. If you look at the rest of the schedule, we're at Tennessee. They're markedly better than we are. Home versus San Francisco, I think those two teams are pretty even. At Jacksonville, no way in We beat uh, Jacksonville there, at home versus Pittsburgh. Nip, so the only most winnable game is at Indianapolis on uh, New Year's Eve, and I just don't even see that one as a clear-cut win. So I, you know, I don't have a lot of hope and dream. And for the San Francisco game, uh, Kyle Shanahan announced that Jimmy Garoppolo will start Week 13. So uh, we'll, we'll see him after he's got a game of experience, and I just think he'll be a far better quarterback than Tom Savage.
0: And he'll be much more handsome than Savage, as well, too. Don't forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if you, in case you're wondering, Houston's four and seven, uh, Baltimore six and five, Buffalo six and five, the Chargers, Bengals, and Raiders are both five and six. Or all three are five and six. So, have you changed your mind at all? Who, who do you think is going to get the sixth seed now? And also, do you think the Chargers are against the Plant Kansas City in the AFC West?
1: I, I, I think I said Baltimore last week, didn't I? No, I can't remember.
0: I can't but, remember. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah. But I, I think that's – because I saw them having a victory today, putting them up six and five. And so, they're deep, oh, that's right, it was Baltimore because they're the only one of those teams. Out of all those teams, they're the only one. that had an elite unit.
0: thing or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it would still be Baltimore for me that that they are the favorite to win. And, and, you know, let's look at who they're – I can quickly find who they go out against. Uh, Ah, not the stupid – I hate it when my – I've got a process going on my computer and it's killing my CPU right now. It's making things funky for me, making pages jump. So they go out against – versus Detroit at Pittsburgh at Cleveland versus Indianapolis versus Cincinnati. So when you consider you know Cleveland, Indianapolis are two easy wins, that basically gets them to eight and five right there. So if they can win one against Cincinnati, Pittsburgh and Detroit, I think they make the playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I mean we're gonna talk extensively about Baltimore here in a second. But uh, you know I I really I couldn't tell you I'm more Los Angeles. It was cool as hell that they beat Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. I they're playing the Browns this Sunday though. I think it's just like the ultimate game for the Chargers to lose, just like they lost last year. Like I can just 100% see them losing to Cleveland this week and then kind of falling out of you know the playoffs in a way too. But I I picked Oakland, I think, just because it seemed like something that would just happen. You know, I don't think they're good at all. But I I really don't. I really don't care. All these teams are bad. I hope Buffalo. Well, I hope it's either Buffalo or or San Diego. Buffalo most of those teams, have, that team hasn't made the playoffs in, you know, since 2000, I think, or 01 or whatever it was. I think it was since the uh, the Miracle Game they made the playoffs since that time. So it'd be really cool if they finally did it. And I love Ty God as well.
1: Yeah, and it's I mean, how do you how do you just not look at that move to bench Ty God for you know the worst quarterback I thought coming out and. In- 2017, Nathan Peterman. How do, you, how do you not just look at that and go? That's their, they just lost their playoff chances because of that one stupid decision.
0: Yeah, I mean they, they won last week, and that's all you can do after the fact, you know. It's not about the the mistakes you make; it's how you learn from them. BFT. That's, that's, uh, that's right. So, so in this game, Tom Savage averaged 6.6 yards an attempt. Hey, pretty good, but he had three turnovers since the best pass defense in football, which is really bad. So how much longer do you think he lasts as a starting to come to Houston Texans? Because Bill O'Brien did say today that he had, he's going to be starting this week already.
1: Well, he also qualified that by saying that Savage will be pulled if he continues to, to turn over the ball. And, it, and what can you say? He's not going to stop turning over the ball. But it, what kind of upgrade are you getting with T.J. Yates? I mean, right now at this point, T.J. Yates is nothing more than – you know, misty-eyed memories, right? Uh, he's not a mm-hmm. pro-quality quarterback. He really is not at this point of his career. You know, he, he's, he's third string. That's where he should be. So you're not going to get a big improvement from the QB situation with CJ8. So how long do I think that Savage lasts in starting quarter? I think he lasts as long until, you know, Bill O'Brien on a whim pulls him because Bill O'Brien has no plan or strategy when it comes to the quarterback situation, as we've seen. And then T.J. Yates will go in. He'll do the same damn thing as, as Tom Savage does, is, except maybe without the strip sacks. And then Tom Savage goes back in. So I could easily see this being a Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett situation the rest of the year. It's just, you know, Bill O'Brien, hey, the one blew west. It's Tom Savage time kind of decision-making quarterback. It's, you know, he, he can do all the talk. Yes, he's going to be the starter, you know, Tom Savage. He, but I'm going to pull him if he turns over the ball. You know, I have to agree with what Rivers said in our incompletions that we've seen enough Tom Savage to know what we've got, which is which is a nothing burger. But what, you're not going to really put in T.J. Yates. So I, I don't know. I, I don't see any value of not playing Tom Savage at this point because, you know, he, he might be the guy best made to not get killed behind that offensive line.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you think the Texans should sniff around some practice squad rosters and try to find – uh, some young guy out there, like Rivers mentioned as well, uh, to, I guess, have an idea of maybe somebody that could be the backup next year. Because Watson's going to start, you know, week one next year. There's no question about that. But, you know, you never know what knee injuries. You also never know what the, a mobile quarterback like him. And also, who knows what this offense lines be like next year. So, it kind of seems like, also like Chris mentioned today, diehard Chris mentioned, whenever he was talking to Pat, uh, UT, was just that, you know, we need to find out who our second-string quarterback going to be and you have at least four or five weeks to find out because Savage is in that as well. So you are you, like, in the camp that you want Houston just, hey, Savage, you know, this is it. You're going to be a, a Matt McGloin you know, type of quarterback where you'll bounce around, maybe play some snaps strangely next year, uh, but you're not, like, a legitimate backup quarterback and let's try to find one for this year? Or do you think Houston's just going to find somebody next free agency season? Like, what, what do you want to see Houston do?
1: Well, what I want to see Houston do is not going to happen, and that's to sign Colin Kaepernick. Uh I think Yeah, because yeah, because you know, clearly, you know, Massa McNair is not gonna sign a, a somebody who's who's been uppity tagged. Um it, it's it's and it's really too bad because Colin Kaepernick would really be a great backup for Deshaun Watson. The games are similar. They can, you can you can you don't really have to do much of the playbook between those two guys. You, it's really hard to find a guy with Deshaun Watson's physical attributes, with what he does outside of the pocket, and uh, find a, a backup for him. I mean, it's it's just it's a hard match. And there's a perfect match with Kaepernick. So it's utterly ridiculous. We can go out. We can try to find a guy. But look at some of the guys who have been cut that were drafted in 2017. Guys like Brad Klay. You know, that is a
0: really poor matchup. Yeah, and
1: yeah. he's terrible. And I watched I mean, he's him a last pocket...
0: year, too, and he was bad.
1: Yeah, he, he was my second least favorite quarterback behind Nathan Peterman last year. And uh, the Dave, Webb Davis dude uh, uh, that's going to start for the Giants, it's, you know, he's not going to start for the Giants this week, but uh, with Eli Manning bench, Geno Smith is. And so. Hey, I kind of like
0: Geno. He has big old nostrils, you know.
1: <laughs> but he's a terrible quarterback. It's like saying well Tom Savage got, is going to get better. Geno Smith is going to get better. It's the same horrible argument. So there's I don't think there's much out there that we can go say hey, you know this guy's a, a skill set fit. We're going to be able to take him into our offense because what we're seeing is we're seeing I think the spread in college the it, it really hurts quarterbacks and that's what we we see so many teams throwing, you know, using the spread, using the air raid type offense. They they don't be, you don't develop good quarterbacks because they're not having to make reads.
0: Mhm. And yeah. And also, like you know, that's their job in college, just win football games too. I will say this about Gino. I think he you know, had a, a bad situation in New York. He got punched in the face by his own teammate. I kind of careened his entire career there. And you know that was those are some really bad New York teams that he started on immediately when he wasn't ready to start yet. So I mean, you know, he's been on the bench for a few years. He's older now. He's a little bit smarter, probably. He's wiser. Like he's still you know, mobile and has a good arm. Uh, so I'm kind of interested to see how he looks, you know, starting in New York this week because, again, I mean, they don't really have a whole lot around him. But, I, would, I mean, I would not bench Eli Manning at all if I was them. Um, you think you have to at least stick with him the rest of the year because that's your guy. Uh, and I think the whole situation is so strange. But I'm, I am interested to see what Gino does. Whenever I watch the condensed games on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and <sighs> – I think his big, if I remember correctly, and I may be remembering wrong, but I think that maybe he was really He made
0: really dumb decisions.
1: Yeah, but it was, I think the first, no, he was he was a he was a senior when he came out. For some reason, I thought he came out as a junior, and I remember thinking he should have stayed in, but that's completely wrong. Because the guy involved in college. I, he's
0: yeah, big he numbers. You know, a junior,
1: went, yeah. Uh, I remember thinking something differently, that he needed another year, but man, he's got big numbers. I mean, he was putting up the 71% completion rate his senior year I and mean, that's a guy who should have translated better to the nfl game than he did but again he also played in you know west virginia also had those spread offenses at that time too so
0: mm-hmm. i don't
1: know i i'm not feeling the warm fuzzies when it comes to guys really converting to that sort of uh the nfl style from that sort of thing
0: yeah i mean it happens I don't know, i'm just I, I am interested in him a little bit i know his probably every first star of new york is he would just make like Three just dumb as hell throws every game that just kind of killed him and maybe he's learned not to do that. as He's gotten older. He probably has some gray hairs in the side of his head uh, that he shaves down like every other twenty eight year old man does. But uh, other than that, you know, it, it's gonna be interesting on Sunday. Now let's talk about the Texans again though. So I want I to hear no. some pillow talk. I want to hear some pillow talk from you to Trill Suggs since he broke Kendall Lamb and strip sack Tom Savage in the fourth quarter, four fifty six remaining to ISIS football game.
1: That was just thank you, Terrell. I mean, because I was hard. It's almost like it's almost like when JJ J. Watt bats a pass at this point of his career. You expect him not only to bat the pass, but also pick the ball off and run it in for a touchdown, or even a fumble recovery. You just expect him not only to recover the fumble, but to score a touchdown. It's the same thing when Tom Savage is sacked. I just expect him to be stripped, and I expect there to be a fumble, and I expect the other team to recover it. And so I, the first time that uh, that Savage was sacked, he did not fumble, and I had a giant sad And and Terrell sucks, made me happy. Thank you, Terrell.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it was so beautiful. Uh, so he's had he's been strip sacked seven times this season. Uh, he has a two two uh, strip sack lead, or I guess it's not necessarily a strip sack, but it's like a fumble on a sack. He has a two fumble lead on Stafford. Uh, Stafford has thrown like. 207 more passes than he has, but uh, regardless, what do you think is more impressive—the Savage strip sack streak of seven, or the Shaw pick six streak of five?
1: Oh, it's easily um, Savage. I mean, that's not even close. It's so many things have to go wrong for you to be strip sacked, and we're going to touch on it later, so I'm not going to plot spoil. But there's just so many things that have to go wrong for that to happen to Savage. It's much more to me. It's much bigger than Shaw's pick six streak.
0: Yeah, I I don't I don't know what's more impressive, but I love this one so much more. Because, like third team wasn't fun at all. There is nothing good about it at all. Except from watching you, JJ Watt like we talked about every single week. Uh, it was probably the worst year of my life in a personal note. And maybe the second worst, I don't know. But uh and also the football was just so bad. There was like nothing enjoyable at all about the shop thing. It was like really sad and awful. Yeah, especially like the way the fans reacted, you know, cheering him when he got hurt, driving oh, by his house, yeah. burning his jersey, yeah. uh, him and Andre Johnson arguing after that Oakland game, to lose 14 straight games. I mean, it was all just such a disaster. Like, at least for the Savage stuff, like we knew the season was over when Watson went down. At least there's like hope, you know, next year uh, for it. But it's just like, it's fun. Like, it's fun to root for Savage to get Sack. It's awesome whenever it happens. It's It's just such a great time. So a, hundred times, a million times more fun is the Savage Strip Sacks and the Shaws pick six. Uh, Impressive-wise, I don't know. I think they're pretty much a tie. It just kind of depends on it. But also, like, you can't make that judgment until the streak ends from Savage. You know, it's still going on right now. Uh, we, it, this book has not been closed just yet. <laughs> That's
1: right. Wow. It's just – oh, my gosh. It's utterly ridiculous. So let's get to the next question. It's
0: like – yeah, I mean it's like watching Godfather one and watching Half of Godfather Two and then somebody pauses the movie and said, Which one do you think is better? You know, you can't you can't know yet. The movie's not over yet. Uh <laughs> it's also funny how Houston lost two of these games because their left tackle was beat and Savage was strip sack. They lost to Indy, of course, which they may you know, they may have lost anyways, the strip sack uh you know, it ended the game, but maybe it doesn't happen and Savage, you know, doesn't throw a touchdown there. And likewise in this game where, you know, it ended that last drive that you know, in the Texans' chances. But, you know, who knows what happens afterwards. But that was, like, the ending part of both those games. Uh, what could Houston have done to prevent their left tackle from getting beat so quickly for Savage Beach strip sacks?
1: I love this. This is, like, the most softball question, like, ever. It's just it's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Big Matt. Because, it's, I mean, we all know the answer, right? But I just want to go back to the day that Dwayne Brown was traded, and especially on Facebook. It was not as that on both the blog and on Facebook that we don't need Dwayne Brown because Deshaun Watson doesn't need Dwayne Brown. And the logic of that is so utterly ridiculous, even in retrospect. Yes, that may be true, Deshaun Watson, but, number one, why would you accept that risk? That's unacceptable to me, Uh, you know, allowing your guy to get hurt. But, but number two, Deshaun Watson's not going to take every snap for your team. So here's two direct issues with your left tackle sucking that have, that have led somewhat to losses. And it's just, you know, do you still believe that? Do you still believe the team doesn't need a, a franchise left tackle? And we're not going to get one in 2018. So it's, it, it, it's, it's amazing in this day and age how willing people are to wrest away logic so that something fits their world view. And this is a yeah. perfect situation where Dwayne Brown he, – well, he didn't want to be with the team anyway. Well, he, dude just wanted – no, he didn't want to be around the team. He's back for the team. Well, the player's like, no, no, no. It, it, we don't need a left tackle. Deshaun Watson doesn't need a left tackle. Just all these ways to twist the logic, to make them right, to fit the worldview so that their mm-hmm. echo chamber goes unharmed. Perfect example. And Rant.
0: Yeah, no, I can really agree with that as well because it's not – the Dwayne Brown trade wasn't good at all from a football perspective, and it, the people who wanted were happy with the trade is because they didn't like Dwayne Brown anymore because he sat out and he didn't start at the beginning of the year. And those are you know their opinions on their own, and that's fine. You know it's it's fine that your opinion that you don't like when you, players of players of your favorite team hold out. It's you know, the same argument I kind of made about Kaepernick, where like you know everybody's different values and beliefs. If you don't like you know him kneeling during the national anthem. That's fine. That's your worldview. I understand that. But you can't twist a, a football argument around it to back your, you know, your, I guess, like your emotional reasoning for something that's not related to football. Because, like Kaepernick, you know, he should be on a football team. Dwayne Brown's a good t- left tackle. What they got from him wasn't a good trade. They probably could have trained him this offseason for even more, uh, especially where the tackle market has been too. And they have no options in that position as well. That it was, a, it was a bad trade. It's like how the Brock Oswald trade is still bad to this day. Um, and so like I like if you're emotionally you feel that way, you don't have to back up with football knowledge because the football stuff doesn't match whatsoever at all. But yeah, if Dwayne Brown wasn't traded, Houston made one, you know, two of those games is possible and the season can be a little bit different. Because the one thing that we you know that was really obvious from the Savage from the beginning is that if he has some time, you know, he's spotty with his accuracy, it takes him a long time to process the game. But if you give him you know, five long seconds to throw him he has, like, the arm strength and can make enough, like, fairly nice throws to, to move an offense a little bit. And whenever he gets blitzed or is pressured immediately, he has no idea what to do and he can't do anything whatsoever. And so training left tackle with him at quarterback was just a you know, disaster. And everyone, I guess that's part of the fun of these strip sacks, too, is that Houston deserves each and every one of these strip sacks that happen. They deserve every single time. Kendall Lamb gets beat that quickly. Like, Kendall Lamb's the worst left tackle I've ever seen ever. And uh, he was cut, he was re because they had no other options. And he's just a disaster, too. And they did nothing to you know, protect him on that play, either. And, and I did pick the side Strip Sack, too, which was cool. But I don't know. And it's something ever happens, you know, I'm kind of glad it happens because Houston deserves all these Strip Sacks. And uh, they deserve a left tackle getting beat over and over again.
1: Yeah, and, and to to Heron, or to, you know, beat the dead horse on that point, Tom Savage... Was 16 for 20 for 200 yards with a pass rating of 108.3 when he was not pressured. Okay, that's not great. That's that's yeah. borderline, not even acceptable. But
0: when pressured,
1: he was yeah one for him. But when pressured, he was six for 17 for 52 yards, two sacks, including a fumble, two interceptions, and a pass rating of 4.7. So we really don't need a left tackle. Oh my god. And, and I know,
0: I know, PFF had similar numbers too with Watson. Whenever it comes to whenever he was pressured versus unpressured as well. And it's been interesting in the year whenever football tires releases their DVA number is about quarterbacks with pressure and without pressure. Because I'm really interested in where Watson falls because I know PFF showed like huge swings between the two for him. But like you know he was still able to escape and throw plays away and you dump off passes and run for first downs and whatever. But just like as far as you know, purely throwing, you know his numbers weren't that great as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: the the last thing I have here on offense is you know DeAndre Hopkins was incredible. He's been incredible all year. I think he's like the number two fancy football receiver this year, which is you know really strange. Uh, but everybody else here is pretty whatever. And so I know you and Luke had like a side conversation going on during the game last night. Uh, what did you see on how? What did you see on how Baltimore covered Houston's receivers?
1: I was perplexed. I mean, the reason I, we had such a long conversation about something that maybe be so glib during the game is I couldn't tell what the heck uh, the Ravens were doing coverage-wise. There were a couple plays. I'll give you uh, one example was that uh, in, I think it was the first quarter, is that we had uh, Savage. I um, mean, Savage. We had a heavy line. We had a sixth lineman in at, at tight end. And we max protected, only put two out in routes. So you had eight guys blocking, two guys out in routes. The Ravens had six defensive backs, and yet Bruce Ellington was completely uncovered for a 27-yard catch. And that was like, what the? I, you, okay, I don't care if they're playing zone, I don't care if they're playing man, but there's two guys that are in routes. Everybody else is blocking. And, and you had uh, Fedorowicz. You don't really worry about Kendall Lamb going out and catching passes, but you had Fedorowicz and you had Lamar Miller staying in the block. But guys were, were out there waiting for those two, but you still had six guys in coverage, and Bruce Ellington was wide open. So that was really odd. And there was another play where, like, I just couldn't even tell because it looked like, as, as Luke said, they started off in cover one, but it – Look, when it like has the play developed, it looked more like a cover two man because like guys were falling off, like receivers and guys were getting wide open for us, and it was another easy catch and throw. I was really perplexed at at the defensive secondary scheme by the Ravens. It made no sense. I, number one, you should never have two guys beating six, and number two is is there were clearly multiple times where, um, and, and they even highlighted one of them, uh, Trico and Gruden did. Uh, that highlighted one of them where uh, the guy thought he was passing off in zone, but he was supposed to be in man – that was LeTarious uh, Lab was passing off – or I'm sorry, Jimmy Smith was passing off a guy he thought he was in zone coverage, but it was supposed to be man coverage. He was supposed to stick with the guy. So there was a lot of miscommunication on the Ravens back end. And quite frankly, I think without that, that game would have been horrifyingly worse because there were probably four or five completions, including that 27-yard one to Ellington, that um, were big chunk plays that, that gave us space. I think if the Ravens' mm-hmm. secondary is communicating better, it's not nearly that ugly or nearly that good. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, well, and I know the Ravens are number one pass defense DBA right now. And also, whenever you look at their DBA against receivers, they're the top five against number one, number two, and other receivers. And, uh, and like, Jimmy Smith has been spectacular this year. And, like, for Hopkins, that was the most success he did against Smith was just, like, Another testament just of how good he's playing, and then about Hopkins too. It's like I've never seen a receiver play like him and be as success as successful as he is. To you know, it's like, like I don't know the best way to describe it. But it's kind of like if Des Bryant, like at his, I guess, not, because you know he's a great athlete too. I guess that guy doesn't get a lot of separation like Des Bryant's having trouble with this year, but he's still able to get you know, 150 yards really easily. It uh, just like what he does is awesome to do against one of the best cornerbacks in the league this year And Jimmy Smith. is just, you know, no reason why. Just another example of how great he is.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the, his best skill, I mean, does is, is anybody toe tap better? Does anybody hand catch better? I mean, he's just so elite at those two skills. It, it just, it, just the one catch in the first corner was just a simple out pattern against Jimmy Smith. And Smith was all over, no, no DPI. Uh, but where Hopkins out muscled him. The only guy that comes to mind that's close is Anquan Bolden, but Anquan Bolden never had Hopkins Explosives.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that's a good comparison as well, too. But, like, Bolden is also just a tank as well. Like, Hopkins doesn't have nearly the frame that he does either. I've just have never seen a guy like him play football before. No. Nope. Now, now, the Ravens are, like I said, they're first in pass defense DBA, first in total defensive DBA still. Uh, they jump Jacksonville. Uh, were, you, were you impressed by their defense in this game?
1: Uh, somewhat. Uh, they made a, like I said, you know, I hit the secondary with, the, with, with what I saw was a lot of mental errors in the secondary. Uh, Juhan was, there were some really stupid penalties, uh, yeah. especially in the first quarter, that, that, you know, suplex on Lamar Miller. Uh, there were some stupid penalties. I think it's a team that could have played better. You know, Brandon Williams is a beast. But, you know, they held, yeah, held he's Houston. Awesome. Yeah. I like the handstand clip they had of him. Like, that's 325 pounds, <laughs> pounds of love doing a handstand. How does not impressive. Yeah. yeah. It
0: was like high school 325 um, pounds doing a handstand. It's like David Robinson.
1: It was ridiculous. But, you know, we were held for 25 rushes for 66 yards. So, you know, we weren't getting, or we just got just over two yards of carry. So, I mean, they were impressive in some ways, but not impressive in other ways. And and to me, it was just that secondary just kind of was like, so there you have it. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah. Now, I think the biggest thing you mentioned was that they really gave Houston a lot of yards and penalties. You know, there's the glory be to the all, all penalty offense in that first quarter for sure. And that was, like, how Houston really moved the ball. They had some big chunks, like, some big passing plays, like, you're mis miscommunication. And then there was just, you know, really dumb penalties that Baltimore had that moved Houston the ball. And even though, like, Savage averaged, you know, 6.6 yards in the 10th, which isn't great, uh, and they averaged, I believe, like, 3 yards to carry, you know, which is really, is bad. And they were still able to move the ball and get in sworn position quite a few times. And I think that was more to do with Baltimore, you know, just having, like, making mistakes than it was for Houston having any sort of, like, Comprehensive game plan, or you do anything really well whatsoever. But like, I, I mean, I, I was impressed what they did, especially their front seven. And like, you just see all these guys who are just enormous making these plays. And then you just hear John Gruden, and I can't remember the other dude's names, and Tariko isn't there anymore. It was like, yeah, that's a six round pick from Grand pra- Prairie View State University. Uh, that guy's undrafted from you know, some D2 school or whatever. And there's just so many guys just out of nowhere. They're just enormous athletes, too. They're just making plays in their front seven. And uh, all that really surprised me.
1: Yeah, and that, that's cool. And that's one thing, Kellen Winslow, is is I got the wrong tight end. <laughs> oh, God. I can't remember the tight end I'm thinking of. Shoot, help me out.
0: Newsome, Ozzie, GM, Ozzie, Ozzie. Ozzie
1: Newsome, geez. Oh, Yes, I'm broken. So, Ozzy Newsom, that's one thing he's been good at, but one thing he hasn't been good at is look at those wide receivers. Um, Jeremy Macklin, you know, um, uh, Mike Wallace, I mean, 10 years ago, Caller, they want their wide receivers back. You know, these these are has-beens who already limited you know, route trees that are trying to play for a guy who can't throw the ball deep. You know, it's ridiculous.
0: Well, I think that has more to do with Flacco than him, because those are the right wide receivers you want with Flacco, but Flacco's like the he's the worst downfield thrower in the NFL this year, and you know Perriman, Macklin, and Wallace are thinking, hey, you got some deep threats here for him, and then he can dump off everything else, and uh, that's all Baltimore needs. But you know Flacco, I I wrote all the numbers for my game preview I wrote yesterday, and uh, you know Flacco's downfield numbers are just it's unbelievable how bad he's been. I think like his average air yards per completion were 4.5 yards. So like, every completion he throws is traveling through the air for an average of four and a half yards. Like, he just – he can't do anything. It it's just – everything has to be short. So, I think that's more more say about Flacco than uh, than the GM. But, yeah, Flacco in this game, he was 20 for 32, 141 yards, 4.4 yards in attempts, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. He was sacked once and lost eight yards. And that quarterback rating was 72 and a half. Uh, the key thing here is he listened to – he went to Blake Bortles' quarterback school and he threw the ball to members of his team. Have you seen a more game managing stat line than this one?
1: No, this it's so striking how just utterly terrible <laughs> this line is. But but it's not so bad that they lost, right? I mean, four point four yards per attempt. You know, I give me a shot. It's unbelievable at quarterback. That's yeah. <laughs> just amazing. Um, it, it's yeah, you know that is. The, the best thing about the game yesterday, too, is, is how incredible, you mentioned how incredibly inaccurate he is trying to push the ball downfield at all. He doesn't miss guys by their fingertips. He misses, he overthrows guys, he underthrows guys, he throws the ball of bounds, doesn't give his receivers a chance. I, I just want to say, for the record, I think that when all is said and done, with all the accolades that have been thrown Joe Flacco's direction over the years, I think he is the single most overrated quarterback in NFL history. He is not good. He went on a like four-game streak to get them and winning the Super Bowl. And that's it. Otherwise, he is a crappy quarterback.
0: And he was also pretty good whenever Kubiak was his offensive coordinator as well in 14.
1: Uh, Kubiak and Sean Watson. I, I want everybody to think about that. I want y'all to, to think about <laughs> Love I know what happened it. with that combination. I, <laughs> I this direction is going to last more than four hours now. I hope yeah,
0: happy, I, should, I should have said <laughs> it. But, yeah, no, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, Flacco is the worst quarterback I've seen this year. Like, one quarterback worse than him, numerically wise, is Kaiser. But Kaiser is a rookie quarterback who's playing an offense that hasn't helped him whatsoever. Also an offense has had a lot of injuries as well, too, where the decisions that the team may go into this year on offense, like none of them really panned out whatsoever. And so, you know, he's having, like, a, a Jared Goff score season. And, you know, the, the book isn't wrote on, you know, Kaiser at all. But, yeah, I mean, Flacco's just – I, like, I, I, I'm just speechless every time I watch him. Just like, like you mentioned his downfield throws, but that's the one thing he has to do. And I think he's, like, one for, like, eight, 18 of his last 20 of them or something like that. Even though that math doesn't come out right, but that's how bad he is. The one thing that I love about this Ravens passing offense is that they have Danny Woodhead. And he's wearing, like, seven different armbands. And so Flacco can always hit Danny Woodhead for eight yards until, you know, the, the big bomb finally drops down from the sky,
1: <laughs> Which never actually happened.
0: Yeah. So what do you think happened to Flacco? Because really the only thing I could think of is that he's injured because he's, like, the slowest quarterback I've ever seen run. And, uh, and like, for him to be this bad throwing down feeling, like it shouldn't happen. Like, his arm is too good. He's been better at it before. Like I think like, his back is broken or he's still suffering from that knee injury he had uh, 2 years ago. Like what do you think happened to the guy?
1: Well, I I guess I don't really know. I mean, the, here's the thing. Is his his highest quarterback rating is 93.6 which he had in 2010. It's he's never really been a very good quarterback. He's just not. He throws a lot of picks his TD to uh, interception ratio is 191 to 128. He just really has never been very good. And so the other thing that you know, looking at his um, yards per attempt, his lifetime yards per attempt is 6.8. Like this has never been a guy who has pushed the ball downfield successfully. It's all been, to me, for my money, it's all been based upon the fact that he's got a really big arm. And he's he can make all these throws. That he's a really big quarterback. I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I don't think he pushes the ball downfield. 6.8 yards is not adequate. Well, okay, that's right on the borderline of being an effective quarterback. You know, I think 6.6, 6.7, 6.8, somewhere around that. You have to eclipse that mark. But that's still, that's middling numbers for a guy who supposedly has a big arm, pushes the ball downfield, and, and, and is successful that way. His lifetime quarterback rating is 83.8. He is not a good quarterback.
0: I do wonder what the numbers are like, up until that uh, they won the, when they won the Super Bowl, like from like you know his rookie year to that point. What they are because he's been so bad the last two seasons that you know obviously brings those numbers down. We talk about what went wrong. You know whenever we include the bad stuff, we're not able to answer you know what what went wrong with him. So I don't know. Like I, it really is weird to me, uh, what happened. But like, I'm I'm for sure 100%. I went to write last week. But I went to the Dumb Grand Canyon, Center of time. Uh, 100% of the offseason, I'm going to write a Flacco article filled with all these gifts from that Super Bowl run that he had. And I'll probably do the same thing, write a Von Miller film article, too, from that Super Bowl run that he had uh, two years ago. Because like, those are like, the two like like most incredible playoff performances I can remember in like the last five years or so. But, uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll look into that here pretty soon. How much did you love that horrifying Raven Flacco graphic? Oh, hold
1: on, I wanted to mention one thing real fast before we move yeah, yeah. on. So, So I just want to restate. So Joe Flacco, his lifetime quarterback rating is 83.8 with a 191 to 128 interception ratio. Whose numbers are these? Big Matt, you ready?
0: Yeah.
1: 80, I'm sorry, where is it? Is that right? Yeah, there it is. Okay. 79.9, so not far off on the QB rating. 173 touchdowns, 136 interceptions, lifetime. Who is that?
0: Mm, very, insulting. very similar
1: numbers. Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: Hey, look at
1: that. The Amish Rifle. I mean, when you look at his comps on uh, – I'm looking at pro football reference. Alex Smith, Jay Cutler, David Garrard, Neil Lomax, John Kitna. None of these guys I would consider to be his quarterback.
0: I think that's the best way to describe him, though, is that he's like the middle-class quarterback who – you know, completely left his body for four weeks and Astro projected Allen for the Netherland and, uh, and never, it and came, and came back to work, came back to Earth a month later. Cause I mean, those four weeks of hell were just, you know, the craziest thing I've ever seen you know, from a quarterback. And but I think that's the best way to describe it though. I think like he's like in that range of middle class quarterbacks, but he just, you know, left his body for four weeks.
1: Yeah. And, and his number one or his number two, Daryl LaMonica, the old Raider quarterback. Uh, and for those of us, those of you old enough to remember, Ken O'Brien is number two comp for him, for uh, Joe Flacco career-wise. If, if you remember Ken O'Brien, he was a below five hundred quarterback. He was not a good quarterback. He was a pretty miserable quarterback. Those are his. Comp- those are Joe Flacco's comps. So I'm just saying, he was never a good quarterback to begin with. It was just that one streak.
0: Right. Well I'm anyway, gonna the we can move on. more this spring. I'm gonna look at these numbers for the first like four or five years of his career. I'll get back to you on it because I think they're, they're better because he's been so bad the last you know, three years that it's including that as well too. But uh, how much did you love the the graphic, the horrifying winged number five dancing with the Madden 2003 graphics? Uh, how much did you love that?
1: Oh God. So who, who did that? What did that remind me of? There's that series of movies. Smith is the director. Um, Kevin Smith's the director. It was the one where the angels and stuff. It reminded oh, me of dogma. that movie. Yes, Dogma. That's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of Dogma, and it reminded me of the the only thing I could visualize was was Joe Flacco's wings being torn off against as well. That's what I visualized.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's and that's what happened the last two years. Him with the wings was him in the you know, that Super Bowl run, and he's been plucked feather by feather and had his you know wings plucked after the fact. I bet that was. Uh, that was, by, that
1: was by the way. I, I, wanted to mention one thing. By quarterback rating, this is not the worst year of his career so far.
0: Yeah, I believe it like, was last year worse or the year before that? 2013. And then and then Kubiak came in and resuscitated his career. He was blue when right. Kubiak came in and and brought the breath, breathed the life back into the class for flack and reanimated him. Uh, I love that graphic so much. It reminds me of the Harpies and Here's My Magic. And If you don't know what it is, if you haven't played it, it's like a... I don't know, it's a turn-based strategy game where you ride this little horse around and you get resources and then you get monsters and you fly other people and you take castles and it's a it's a spectacular game and there's these harpies in there what they would do is they could fly across the field, hit somebody and fly back, you could counter-attack them and, uh, and that's exactly what it looked like and it just made me want to buy like, just some crappy pawn shop uh, Windows computer for 50 bucks so I can play some heroes but uh, I have more important things to do now, which is sad. That's the hard thing about being an adult, you know. That's
1: right. You're yeah. an adult now. Act like one. Yeah,
0: I know it's hard. I I just have I or still not. have that little voice in my brain. It's like, hey, you know, you know, it seems like a good idea. Uh, drink 15 beers and play. Here's my match. Yeah, I know, I know. So I gotta read. I gotta write. I gotta do other things. Um. So who's the best, better quarterback in this game? Tom Savage. Or, or let's do it like this. Uh, a, B, or C is the standardized test. Who <laughs> coming up? You know, who is the better quarterback this game? A, Tom Savage, B, Joe Flacco, or C, Sam Cook?
1: Right, it's got to be C, Sam Cook, because you know what? Cook was willing to take chance downfield without his his wide receiver even looking. <laughs> and we talked so much about the willingness to push the ball downfield being a skill set for a quarterback, and he was willing to do it, and He didn't have to rely on blown coverage to complete the pass. So, there's Mm -hmm. your winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner.
0: And he threw it to a spot as well, too. He saw the defensive backs back to him. He knew where he needed to put the ball, put it right there for him, and the receiver made a heck of a play. But the receiver doesn't even get a chance to make that play if Sam doesn't put the ball where he put it.
1: That's right. And Joe Blocko would have thrown it 15 yards out of bounds, and Tom Savage (laughs) would have thrown it to the next county.
0: The Savage for sure would have thrown it out of bounds. I think Flacco would have overthrown him by 25 yards down the middle of the field. <laughs> but Savage would have put it out of bounds.
1: Oh
0: yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was a great throw. That was the best throw of the game last night. Uh, and that was my second favorite play of the game. And he was the best quarterback for both those teams. And he for sure should be starting quarterback over Joe Flacco. Oh,
1: yeah, unquestionably.
0: Uh, how upset were you whenever Flacco pay manning the Texans in that last play for that thirty yard run?
1: Oh God. That was painful. Watching that uh, watching that watching him run is just it hurts my eyeballs.
0: I have had you know, fifteen minutes of Joe Flacco talk. Uh, even that keeps us talking about about the Houston Texans because as we know, the Texans are bland, they're uninteresting, we know who they are, they're not gonna make the playoffs. Um, you really know there's only like, two interesting things left for the season one is Tom Savage strip sacks which is the most important part and then two is you know Jadeveon Clowney and the rest of these younger guys in defense you know DJ Reader, uh, Dylan Cole, Brent Scarlett, Bernard McKinney, Cunningham, Kevin Johnson, Andre Howe uh, that's what you know I guess is the only interesting thing left really about this year uh so Clowney do you think that J.J. Watt ruined our ability to fully appreciate Jadavia and Clowney's play this year?
1: I don't think so. I, I thought this was a good question when I saw it. Uh, I don't think so. And, and the reason is, is because they are still two very different players. Like J.J. Watt's kind of signature move was a swim move, right? And he could get to quarterbacks quickly. He was, he was great against the run. We know that he's just, you know, he was the best defensive player in football for probably four years in a row. Clowney brings just a similar skill set, but his is just that one quick step or one, first step quickness uh, along with his ability to just flat overpower guys. I went back, I talked about yeah. where he had to tackle a couple of games ago where he's holding the offensive lineman with one hand out, like not just not even just, you know, pushing him out. He was actually holding him and stiff arming, arming the offensive lineman. And he took down the ball carrier with his other arm. He's just that wicked and so I don't, I, I think they're, they're, because they're such different players in that respect, I, I appreciate Clowney just as much as I do JJ uh, J. Watt. It's just, he, he's fun to watch. He, he, it's like back in the JJ J. Watt days, but there's something different about it. It's just, it, it's, JJ J. Watt, like, was just destroying people. And you, because with JJ J. Watt's style, when Clowney does it, there's like this certain aspect that he's just out there feasting on souls that I so appreciate that he, that he gives me. I don't get that same feeling with J.J. Watt that, you know, J.J. Watt was going to beat you and he was going to make it hurt and he was going to make a difference. J.J. or Clowney, when he makes a play, embarrasses you. And it's just, to me, there's a little bit of difference there.
0: Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah, like Clowney's, I guess, more like a thrasher, you know, where, like, he's throwing his body in there. He's just, like, taking his shoulder through guys. Like, somebody comes to pull, pull at him. He doesn't like leap over the top or put his hands down. He just completely takes him out, and he's a lot. I, like I think it's what you are saying. You know, he's a lot more overpowering in I guess physical way. Worth Watt, like you know, he's in the backfield immediately. But it's like you're saying that step inside, that swim over the top, uh, and that thing where he would like go down on one knee to fire up a double team, and then get back up real quick and make the you know, tackle off whenever the running back came to the gap. And like he would, he would get around guys. Like clowning goes through guys, and Watt would you Get around guys really quickly, and I think it's the difference between the two. But I guess, like, from like a box score pr- productivity thing, you know, like Clowney has you know, he'd have like four tackles for a loss in the game and two sacks. Like, yeah, you know, that's good. Uh, just because, like, what's good for a defensive lineman for we have to watch him walk for so long is like you know, three sacks, uh, four bad passes, three tackles for a loss, uh, one touchdown, you know, and uh, and so it's just like really, I understand Clowney's great, like, I understand he's spectacular. I think he's the best run defense, run defense defensive end in the NFL this year. I think he still has a little bit of technique to go for pass blocking will help out once he's on double-team so much. But, like, I don't know. Like, I can't, like, fully, like, fall in love with watching Clowney play like I did with Watt. And, like, it doesn't – I can't – I'm not, like, 100% impressed by what Clowney does because of, you know, watching Watt so, you know, definitely the years before where uh, – I don't know. It's, it's weird. Like, I know Clowney's great, but, like, I can't really – I understand how great he is because of what I watched Watt do for so long.
1: Well, I think ultimately it comes down to, what as Luke likes to joke, it's, it's about he's stats good. J.J. Watt was stats good on top of everything else. Clowney flashes so often in so many plays, but he doesn't get those counting stats that J.J. Watt got. And there is a difference between those two. It's a lot better to get those counting stats than not, right? Because yeah. ultimately you're the one getting the sack. You're the one batting the ball down. You're just not scaring the running back into a different gap. So there is, a, there is a difference. It's better to be stats good than not stats good. And I think that's where Clowney's kind of next plateau needs to come. Is he, he's, he's, Now he's stats good. He needs to become stats great. So I will go ahead and answer Rip Jersey's question, because why the heck not? If you dress for last Sunday's game, after the game, would you hold Jadavion Clowney's sweaty jacket if you asked to? You know, I am a fanboy. Um, uh, I, I was thinking, um, longingly just recently about, uh, guys like Curly Call, uh, who happens to live here in Austin. He just lives right up the street, actually, or, well, on the street, right up the freeway, uh, because, yes, I did stalk him, so that's a thing. Um, so, you know, I, there are some of these guys I absolutely love, but when I hold a guy, sweaty jock, you know, I'm 47 years old now, I, I think I'm past that kind of point in my life where I want to hold a guy's sweaty jock um, you know if, if you're 47 years old and you want to hold on to a sweaty jock I'm good with that but I, I think that I am I, I, I will go ahead and pass on that thanks for asking so it's so great, a great yeah great question Rip I, I know you're just a few years older than me so um, I'm guessing you would hold a jock and you know I'm okay with that but uh, I'll pass it's all yours there you go that's how
0: I built that air, Big Matt. Yeah, I, I called back in. I do if my call dropped. And I the first two words I hear are sweaty jock. And I don't want to hold that. <laughs> so uh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's a good segue. But, yeah, I was asking if we're, if we're forever destined to not see Watt on the football field, could they possibly cut Watt next year or the year after? They would save $9 million They cut next year. And do we have a, a Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Brett Farm, Andrew, uh, Aaron Rodgers' situation in our hands here?
2: I
1: don't think we're close to having that conversation yet. Um, I, I think there would be full-on riots in Houston if that were to happen. And not only that, we have, we're have we going to have all the cap space, right? We're just going to have a metric goof ton of, of cap space after this year. So I don't think it's a necessity. I don't think we need to worry about the cap situation at all, It's and there's no reason to cut them. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to see JJ J. Watt back. I think I think JJ J. Watt, as we knew him uh, before he uh, got hurt, I think it, it's it's over, and we're going to just going to have to process that and deal with it. But um, it, we're not, I don't think we're close to that question just yet.
0: Yeah, I was. That that's my uh, ESPN six o'clock in the morning question for you. Uh, yeah. So, also, the Ravens scored twenty three points in this game. Like, how did this happen? Because I really have no idea if they scored twenty three points or if they did. How they did it, well, on that,
1: it was just weird, right? You had you had Javorius Allen's weird run. You had Alex Collins on the fake uh, dive and pitch yeah, outside, and play. then you had that. I love that play. It's such a good play call. Then you had, of course the pride of the University of Texas at Austin, Justin Tucker with three field goals. This game really came down to, for for me, when you talk about the scoring, it came down to three things. You had Tom Savage with three turnovers and you had Shane Leckler. Uh, I don't know what he averaged for punt. I guess I can look quickly and see what he averaged for punt. It was 43.5, but one of those was 59 yards. And he, was he shanked two punts that gave uh, the Ravens great field position. So, it's, when it comes down to it, it came down to turnovers. Yeah. I'm,
0: I mean, you didn't say that, but still, I don't I don't know how they scored 23 points at all. Um, that's really all I have for this game. Do you have anything else you want to add?
1: Um, God, there was, and I forgot it. Oh, well, it's not important.
0: Yeah, it's all right. I have to get a haircut. Oh, uh, oh, 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 oh. oh.
1: So uh, we didn't answer question number six right there. If you want to, I, I just want to say, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Kareem Jackson, Kevin Johnson, Jonathan Joseph, that secondary had a great game. I don't know if you can say that they had a great game, as much as Joe Flacco is, is trash, but it was good seeing those guys have a have a bounce back game.
0: Yeah, because I like all three of those players. You know, I don't have anything against them. I, I, you know, I really enjoy all three of them. They just haven't been good this year, you know.
1: Yeah, and Kevin Johnson's a tackling machine. Got to love that kid.
0: Yeah. Yeah, hopefully he's better next year. I wish. Uh, I still wish they had A.J. Boye, but you know, who cares what I think. Right. So this right. week the Houston Texans play the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, it's tying up part two, baby. Uh, so do you think this is a good matchup for Houston?
1: Oh, God, no. Well, okay, technically it is because what the Titans are good at is they're good at running the football. Uh, for some reason they still continue to start um, – Mark Murray over uh, Derrick Henry, which is kind of goofy, but I get it. I do get it. There is a logic there that you want to you want to keep Henry fresh, so I can get I get that. Uh, and we do very well against the run. The in what worries me about this game is that all of a sudden the um, the Titans are getting healthy with the receivers. Since so Delaney Walker is healthy again, uh, that doesn't help. And so uh, that's the sort of thing I'm trying to God, really just my computer when it does is I hate it. Um, but Corey Davis has been playing better. They're getting healthy. Eric Decker, well, he's pretty, he's pretty bad. So they are getting healthy. They might be better in the passing game. And that's where we do not match up well with them. That's, that's as far as, you know, their offense against our defense. They're one of the worst defenses in the league. Um, I can't remember where they're at stats wise, but they are terrible. Tennessee is 25th in DVOA. They're not good. I mean, technically, it's a good matchup for us. I'm rambling a little bit. I get it. But I think we just don't have any talent. We don't have the same level of talent they do. They can throw Marcus Mariota and some good receivers. They, uh, I'm not sure of uh, uh, Taylor Lawan's status. He was hurt on Sunday. But they have some pretty good players that we just don't have, and I think that it's not a great matchup for us.
0: Yeah, I I've been the opposite. I think it's a good matchup for Houston because the Texans can run the ball. The Titans have to run the ball for their offense to work. Um, if they don't run the ball, they have to be able to throw the ball downfield, which they haven't you know, done a very good job of so far this year. So I And also, the Titans don't have a very good pass defense either. And, you know, Alyssa Rackpo and Casey have a great game, which they could do. You know, if they, if they're unable to harass, you know, Savage. Savage can make some throws, make some throws, not downfield. They can make some, like, you 15-yard throws to Hopkins, and that's kind of all you need in some cases. So, I don't know. I think it's a good matchup for Houston this one. I think they can stop this run game because Tennessee hasn't done a very good job like running like base plays, like their counters, their inside zone, their outside zone, those sorts of plays they've struggled that. They've been good like those zany, you know, uh, option packages and, you know, jet sweeps and all that. But they haven't been that great on uh, their base run play. So I think Houston's going to have a, a good game against Tennessee this week.
1: Yeah, I, I see nothing wrong with their logic at all.
0: Do you think Clowney, McKinney, and Reader can stop the struggling Times run offense?
1: I tell you what, and then you throw Watkins in there as well, and you throw in um, Zach Cunningham, who I, I don't know about you, but he's <laughs> he been a much better pro than you expected.
0: Yeah, a um, like the first That's year.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he's he's been shockingly better than I expected. So do I think they and Kevin Johnson, the the biggest worst part of it is is that oh and Kareem Jackson of course is the best sacking cornerback in the NFL. So I, I think yes, yeah, so I think we can stop the run. I think you're right about that.
0: How many interceptions does Marcus Mariota throw this game?
1: None. I do He's a little bit of a hot streak we, though. Yeah. It's I don't know. This is not a team that's been creating a lot of interceptions unless it's Andre Hal. So it's hard for me to really get excited about, hey, how many picks are we going to get. So yeah. it's we we just that's not part of our our core competency is interceptions.
0: Yeah. I I just saw Mario has been kind of struggling as far as turn the ball over. He's been throwing a lot more receptions than he really ever has.
1: Yeah. Well, he had four against Pittsburgh. He had two last week. Yeah. So uh, You're right. He is clearly struggling. I. He has two questions for the panel. One, after seeing yet another Tom Savage strip sack, what would have to happen to create your ideal Tom Savage strip sack? Um. I really think the ideal at this point is the strip sack is returned for like you know, by a 350-pound defensive tackle for a touchdown where he goes, like, 50 yards. I think that would be the ideal. That That's, like, kind of that that extra piece of outsider art that would make that better. Two, the Giants just benched Eli Manning in favor of Geno Smith. Who would you rather have as head coach, Bill O'Brien or Ben McAdoo? I'm going to go with my personal favorite answer, herpes. Um, <laughs> By the way, Joe Flacco looked like a worst version of Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. Don't disagree, but now I'm imagining Joe Flacco fighting a Shiza demon, which I guess sort of happened last night. Yes, because if we have learned anything at all about Time Savage, he is a Shiza demon. Uh, hmm. That's all I've got as questions. It's almost 8 o'clock in here. Oh, I thought that was a Big Matt text. That was not Big Matt texting me. That was, of course... Sandra Bullock testing, texting me, and um, I don't hope everybody <laughs> here believes that. There we go. Uh, hey, well, big mess I'm back.
0: I'm sorry about that. I'm here again. All right, I kicked off my own phone again. So, I was saying, let's play a Game of Clue. Uh, how is Tom Savage get Strip Sack? So, instead of, like, you know, Mrs. Plum in the library with the candlestick, uh, how, how is it going to happen with Tom Savage? How is he going to get Strip sacked this week?
1: Oh, well, see, I, okay. <laughs> no, sorry, I just answered UC's question. I think you missed that as I was doing that. How, how is he going to – you know what? The University of Texas after- – Wow, that's
0: a, that's a big one.
1: <laughs> that's what, definitely what she said. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm doing a Jarrell Casey from the three technique on the left side of the line against Jeff Allen. He's going to bull rush <laughs> right through him. Savage is going to be – he's going to try to run away from Casey, but Casey's going to be too fast. He's going to hop on his back, break his arm. We're going to see the bones take out of his arm. And oh, then he's going to pick it up. He's going to pick up the ball Casey. He's going to pick up the ball. And then Xavier Sophia is going to tackle him, and he's going to have like his sixth tackle in the year, which is like uh, six more tackles than uh, – um, Brian Cushing. Uh, what, what was what was it? Yeah, it's been Brian Cushing. Who's in, who's back? You know, he's back in the building this week. Why? Yeah, so that's all I got.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. It's all we can do at this point is laugh. Laugh and point and cry a little.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I hope Cushing gets cut. I hope he goes to the Patriots. I hope he wins the Super Bowl. That's what I wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Do we have any other viewer questions at all?
1: No, that's it. That's, I, I that's answered it. them all at, in, in our dead time.
0: Well, good. And We're going to have a real William Fault. I don't know how I'm going to be able to edit those parts out or make it flow right. So we're going to have a real William Fault in your stream of consciousness where you know, you're walking in the backyard and then all of a sudden it smells like trees, you know. Uh, that's how this episode to <laughs> come out, which is how we meant ah. to do it, you know. It's the best way to tell this story. So, Anyways, yes. thanks for being on site BFD. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties. My phone kicked me off. Wait, wait. We
1: need to make our we need to make our prediction.
0: Oh. oh yeah, what's your prediction? I'm sorry.
1: Oh man. Well thank you. I'm, I'm glad you remembered.
0: I'm so so sorry. So my I'm prediction is
1: <laughs> your baby eating sister fiskers of Mesopotamia twenty three. Your Houston Texans um uh, sixteen. Twenty three to sixteen. Wait, wasn't that the last hmm. score of the game? Yeah, I'm going to stick yeah, with that
2: because
0: that seems like a very Texan score. Yeah, that's a good one. I have Houston winning this game 24-23, to and I think uh, Farabini is going to kick a, a game-winning field goal. Because I think Houston can stop Tennessee on offense, but I don't know. I think it's going to be a closer game than, than a lot of people are going to expect. Yeah, well,
1: I gave a 16 point. I guess it's a one – one score game. What so, more do you want no, from you're me? not
0: a lot of people. You're a very special person. When I say a lot of people, I do not lump you into that group of the Mask and Goblerit of individuals <laughs> that that reside on this planet.
1: <laughs> yeah, nice kick
0: save. Yeah, there we go. All right. Well, thanks for being on tonight. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. My phone, I guess, didn't like me, but at least I wasn't a stuttering robot tonight. Uh, if you listen live, thank you very much. If you listen recorded, you know, thank you very much also. And this time of year during the holidays, you know, tell your friends and family to listen up to this really cool podcast. Because, you know, this is, we're the, this is the underground, you know, podcast. It's uh, not the mainstream. It's really cool. Like if, you're, if you don't have any street cred, this is the podcast to listen to. Uh, two two uh, very fun guys talking about your favorite football team. But, yeah, tell, tell your friends and family to listen to the show. Uh, you can rate, give us a review on iTunes if you want. I don't know if it really matters at all. But, but do it if you want to. I'll look it up and read it if you do. Uh, anyway, thank you for listening tonight everybody. Thanks for being on tonight BFD. I'll talk to you. To, talk, to you talk to you and everybody will listen to us next Tuesday live at 7 p.m. Central or we will review the Texans Titans game, preview the Texans 49ers game and what other, you know, silly stuff happens in the week in between. Woo!
2: Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
1: Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission.